One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, sinners, I'm Shannon. And I'm Sean. And this is Sinful Cuts. Yay! Hooray! So, hope everyone is having a great week. Uh, We are starting October. Um, we were to be keep, we just, I guess we just can't get over it because it feels like the first day of summer (laughs) and we're we're just, uh, kind of melting. We mentioned this in our, um, well, we, I don't know if you're going to get, no, well, we mentioned this, I think in our previous shortcuts episode. So, but, uh, hopefully the, the cooler weather is coming, but spooky season is here and we are very excited. If it weren't for all the spooky, I'd be so bummed out because it's so friggin' hot today. It really, really is. But thank God, thank God for horror movies. Yes. They're chilling me out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So today we got 1978 Halloween. The, the, well, I don't know if I can call it the goat, but it, it's, it's its own diamond in the rough, I, I feel like. Halloween night. A small American town. 15 years ago. Michael? Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. sure. Mm-hmm. The only reason she babysits to have Halloween. No, it's, I'll give a goat status. Yeah, it was. I will absolutely give a goat. Status. I, I don't think there's any other independent movie that reached the 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 feat that this one actually did where nobody thought it was going to go anywhere. It was made, what, for $300,000, yeah, maybe, give or take? Yep. And ends up going to make... I feel like I, I, I always heard different um, numbers, but supposedly, like, up to $70 million Yep. World, 70. Uh, nationwide. Um, 
47 million domestic. Okay. On a $300,000. That's insane. $47 million domestic, 70 million worldwide. Uh, Shannon and I were just talking about this previously, uh, our notes doing our research. Deborah Hill, who produced the movie, um, didn't take a salary. She took a percentage of the gross profits. Mm -hmm. She made so much money, as did um, John Carpenter. And Uh, I I believe they were both surprised (laughs) about that. I mean, Mustafa Akkad, um, who produced the movie as well, Mm -hmm. you know, he he just wanted to make a quick, a quick cheapie, you know? Yeah. It was originally titled The Babysitter Murders, and he just wanted to get something on celluloid, fast, cheap, a little bit of sex, a little bit of violence, Mm -hmm. and just maybe, maybe double his profit. Yeah. So, uh, think about his surprise when this behemoth rolls along and held the record until, and I'm damn near sure I'm right about this, 1999, The Blair Witch. Okay. Which, ironically, as far as independent movies, gang, not, you know. Yeah, not, like, not, yeah. You don't have to be like, hey, man, (laughs) Star Wars made more. I get you. (laughs) I'm talking about independent movies. So, um... Until that independent horror movie came along, again, people, horror, it's where it's at, you know? It's Come for the stab, stay for the love. I just get so angry, it gets no respect. And, you know, I'm shaking my fist, but anyway. It has the right community, that's it okay. Does. It does. So, sorry, I took no. us all over. I went from Mustafa Akkad to Yavlins to Carpenter. Jeez, Louise, let me just slow my roll here. Um, yeah, so 1978, Halloween. I'm going to stop talking in a moment, and I promise you. And sinners, you're welcome. <laughs> They're like, thank Christ. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just sitting here sipping my pumpkin beer, and I'm... <laughs> I'm going to tell you my Halloween story. This true story, sinners. It is Thanksgiving of 1978, and I'm in my Uncle Kenny's basement along with all my cousins. Now, my cousins were older than me, six, eight years older than me. Okay. And my cousin Jerry had just seen Halloween that week. Okay. And um, he was describing it. Now, I'm much, I'm a little kid, and he's describing the movie, and I'm listening in with the big kids. And he basically went through the whole movie from start to finish. And I remember looking up at him and I swear this is not a lie. I was so terrified from just the story that he told. I was looking at him like, how are you still alive? Yeah. <laughs> that this is the scariest thing that's ever happened in the history of fear. And you're talking about it so casually. And that was just like another little like wheel in the cog of my love of horror. That I, I literally was like... I don't understand why you're not in an insane asylum right now. <laughs> and I, instead of being scared by that and being like, I'm never going to watch that, you know, I was immediately like, how can I get my eyeballs on this? Yeah. Thing? How do I see it immediately? Yeah. And it didn't happen for, it didn't happen for a tick, probably another five years until I got it on VHS. Um, but then uh, five, about five years ago, four or five years ago, I caught it in 35 millimeter. Oh, cool. And having seen this film... I don't know, 20 times, first time on the big screen, it scared me like I'd never watched it before. Oh, ever. wow. It was so good. I never got, never got a chance to see it on the big screen. I would love to. So, Sinners, I was a weird little kid, and that's my weird little story, <laughs> and now I'm going to hand it right back over to Shannon. <laughs> well, if you happen to have never heard of Halloween, we'll just give you a quick plot. 
or a synopsis or whatever you call them things. So 15 years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois to kill again. And that is pretty much the, the film. It, it's, uh, they decide, I, I don't remember why he decided to do it. Like, oh, it'd be kind of fun to do like a babysitter thing, but like on a Halloween night, um, I'm not, I think that the idea just kind of came That was to, Mustafa Khan. Was it he Mustafa was adamant. Khan? He's like, it's gotta have babysitters because it was, you know, young, female. Yeah. But I think Carpenter came up with like, how about we do it on Halloween night? Yeah. And just, you know, uh, and just, you know, well, like he just, I think he just found that interesting. He hit, he had that epiphany. At first, like I said, it was the babysitter murders, and it was taking place over a couple of days. And Carpenter reworked it and had that light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, one night, Halloween, screw babysitter murders. That's a horrible title. He's right. Halloween. And he got pushback on Halloween. Yeah, he, he got did. Pushback. He did. They're like, eh, but yeah. they agreed because he said, "I'll direct this movie if I can have complete control." He was yeah. very smart to say that in the very beginning, uh, because he did. He he uh, performed and wrote all the scores, so the music is John Carpenter. The in- infamous, uh, you know, beats that you hear—that's all his creation. And he, yeah, and he he manipulated the story, and they were, and I think that's kind of what he just said. He's like, yeah, well, you gave me complete control, so uh, fuck off. <laughs> it, uh, we're going with Halloween. All right, we have to. You and I have to enter the octagon because I have to challenge you. Oh, let them fight. Okay, in the canon of horror movie only, horror movie only uh, okay. scores. Okay, is Halloween the best? Hmm. I mean, it's 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 definitely up there. It's just iconic. I'm so torn. Okay. I'm so torn. Okay. Because I mean, look, I love JC. I love me some John Carpenter. Um, and I love Halloween, and that score is so iconic. But like, I don't know. How do you how do you go against um John Williams for Jaws or uh god oh boy I don't know I mean they they they, they cross they literally crossed my mind I mean we 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 just talked about Psycho Bram Stoker's Dracula score, Bram Stoker's Dracula you know? that's another good one too that's yeah That's so good It is Oh boy I I just feel like they're all like on I don't know I I see them all just like sitting on the same shelf together that's how I visualize it no, It's there's, not, there's it, a Highlander there can be only one this is a Highlander moment <laughs> There can be only one all right, how about this? Let's stick a pin in this. Let's get a little feedback from the community. Sinners, hit us up on uh, social media, please. Uh, oh, email us at uh, simplecuts at gmail.com or hit us up on um, uh, Instagram, please. Uh, we're at cin.ful-cuts. Follow, listen, and let us know what is the best horror movie score because... I know we entered the octagon, but I think I have to disqualify myself. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. I mean, I want to say it's Halloween because it's Halloween. It's, it's just so good. Like you know, you hear it. You but but any like the same goes with all those movies though. Like you hear the beat at this point, and especially in our lifetime, like we could hear. I feel like three seconds of a beat and yeah. lo- know immediately what it's from. Damn. But um. I did find actually something I never heard of before though when we were when um I was looking back at the um you know documentary on Halloween and John Carpenter was talking about making the score. So he said he you know he's always been uh into music and he had There's a, a tree he wrote that shit in 2 days. 
Yeah, I think. Oh, did he say two days? Oh. It was probably a week, but you know he said two days. <laughs> <laughs> well, the well, here's the thing. It's I could probably believe two days because he mentioned that. Um, you know the the, um, the the you know the the, the standard uh, theme song, what that was. So he said when he was a kid, he always played multi, he plays like multiple instruments, right? And he always have. So when he was a kid, his dad bought him a set of bongo drums. Okay. So he goes, I never really learned how to play the bongo drums. Like bongo drums were probably like his least like favorite, right? So now um, some of our musician friends can maybe help me out because I might be saying this wrong and. Forgive me. But apparently when you get bongo drums, there is um, a specific beat. Like a timing? Yes. And it's kind of like you start here. Like you start with this. Okay. I don't know if it's necessarily... I know something else when you're learning drums, there's something called a paradiddle. I don't know if that's the same terminology on bongo drums, so that's where we need my musician friends to say, Wait, yeah, you... she knows what she's talking about, or no, she has no idea what the fuck did she's talking say... about. I'm not a musician. So. Well, did you say... Power diddle or no. paradiddle? Pa- no, not power diddle. Because I mentioned that at 12. <laughs> Guys, I, I, no, notes, no notes needed. No, paradiddle. <laughs> okay. No power. That's Power Rangers. <laughs> All right. Hey, Roy, get so, off your ass and let us know if we're right. Okay? Talk to you, Roy. Yeah, Roy. So he learned. He so for the bongo drums. He said that he it was the only thing he learned how to play was this specific beat. Okay. He took the beat and simply played it on the piano. You could totally hear it. You could totally hear it if you're if you miss. That's the theme. That's the theme of Halloween. That is that's is the standard, a basic bongo drum beat, except he except he played it on the piano. Holy crap. Right? I never heard that before. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Right? Again, chewing on the goddamn list. Yeah, so... <laughs> now, I'm going to get... Hand. I'm going to get... I'm about to get spitballs and go... <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get, like, the glasses uh, that the basketball players wear. <laughs> just strapped around my head. There you go. <laughs> oh. But I thought that was really interesting. Okay, we're out of the octagon. Fair enough. We'll, we'll call it a draw. But we definitely... This is going to bother me. We have to have a definitive winner of the best horror movie score. But this could... Look, it doesn't have... We don't have to wrap this thing up. We can, we'll take as long as it as it takes to get the number one answer. <laughs> I'd love to know what the community thinks, though. I think we're going to get a lot of Halloween, but I feel like we're going to get a whole lot of Jaws. I have a feeling, too. And then we're going to get a whole lot of stuff that you and I don't even think about. And the second we hear it, we're going to be like, how could it not be that? Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. Discussion for another day, I suppose. Oh, I love horror so much. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so so the theme of the film, uh, when you watch it, and even remembering it, too, when uh, when I rewatched it um, to research for, for uh, the, today's episode. So I it, one thing that was great about this movie was that it did not need, and I, I think they even say it, too, like, there's, like, not a stitch of blood anywhere. No. You did, and you didn't need it. No, that's interesting. We'll talk about this when we do our next episode for Halloween 2. Because they switched it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, how Carpenter <laughs> kind of got in his own head, and that turned out to be a very bloody movie. I don't think, I mean, comparatively, it, it doesn't seem all that gory to me, but it got a lot of shit Halloween 2. For yeah. the because compared to Halloween one, they're like, what? Jeez, dude. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So... I agree with you. And here's where I want to ask you, 
Do you think that's influenced by a little bit of that psycho connection? I was just going to say he was. They Deborah Hillcut does confirm that they were very much. And the way they went, you know, once they finally were like, okay, this movie's a go, uh, Carpenter has, um, you know, full control, and we're going to make this movie, and we're, we, you know, day one, we're going to start. So she, Deborah Hill does, did confirm that they, they went into it with, uh, in mind to, um, to be influenced by the Hitchcock films, because that's what they grew up watching. That's what they loved. I mean, I've got it here in my notes. Jamie Lee Curtis hired as Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Not the first choice, but but eventually hired. I mean, the direct connection to Janet Lee right there. Yeah. The opening shot is very voyeuristic through the, through the um, you know, the uh, the blinds from looking from the outside in. Yeah, which was a state-of-the-art camera at the time. Oh, the Panaflex. The, pan, the Panaglide. Oh, the Panaglide. No, you're right. It's the, the Panaglide. The Panaglide, yep. right? That was, so that was the, the, they, you know, literally strapped to um, I think the you know the waist of the and you know so the 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 guy with the ca- the cameraman just just walks yeah and it keeps it very smooth yeah and very eerie Eey. and then the last one is I mean this one's just like you know wait what was what what do is my thing the fufusle <laughs> this one's glaring is that you have. Sam Loomis is the name of Donald Pleasance. Yes. And that's the uh, that's um, Johnny Beige from uh, Psycho. Yeah, they, that is, is on, that Loomis. is on purpose, and that was on purpose, of course. I mean, there's a lot of fingerprints all over this. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, no, I love it. Are you kidding me? Absolutely love it. And it's kind of funny because this kind of you know this is a callback to our uh, our H2O episode where we had all those um, uh, Steve Miner the director of that movie doing all the psycho comparisons as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, a lot of ties to that, which is really fun. Uh, but this one, this one, like, I feel like this is the only one still even to, to date. Cause uh, you know, obviously the, we mentioned in the H2O episode that this definitely the history, if we look back at this point has uh, gotten a little hairy. Yeah. Yeah. But when it, this one started it all, this one, um, it's it, and they made a point to focus on suspense as opposed to gore, and oh my God, how effective! Yeah. Even even to even today, like watching it, like to me, it's still unsettling. This movie, it, the the reason it works for me is because Carpenter, he he follows his best instincts, jettisons his worst instincts. He it's so finely constructed constructed and so tight you know mm-hmm. ex- the the story gets propelled along seamlessly yeah the They're, score very much helps carry it too absolutely the score and the acting mm-hmm. a lot of great actors a lot of really really solid acting in this movie um but the fact that it it, it just it picks up and i say this for a lot of the movies that that we review sinners but that's why we review them because they're so damn good it it picks up it starts moving along. It gains momentum. It doesn't get ahead of itself, right? You know, but you, you, you just—it's this like incremental increase of dread and fear throughout the entire movie, so that when we're in those last ten minutes of really just Laurie and the shape and Michael Myers, you're like you could feel your teeth. It's it's so palpable, the fear and the anxiety that Lori's feeling and that you're going through as, you know, uh, you know, the audience that, and then just the crescendo of Loomis blowing Michael off the balcony 
and then the shot of the empty grass. I mean, it's just, God damn, it's so good. <laughs> it's just so good. He, look, I, I, I'm a lifelong Carpenter fan, and I adore the man, and I love his work, and I really have dedicated myself over the last two years of trying to see every one of his works on screen. Oh, okay. And I've, 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 I've gone through about a third of them now. Oh, wow. And it's I, and Sinners, if you get a chance and you don't like sports and, you know, <laughs> and you're a lonely little boy, then by all means, go and see these movies on the big screen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's so... It's so terrifyingly simple in its premise, but he does it so well. Yeah. You know? And, again, I mean, you can make a, a point that, you know, he was starting out, so he didn't have... He wasn't getting in his own way. He had, he had more of a drive. Yeah. Probably. And it was... And this was, like, probably maybe his, like, seventh movie... Yeah, Halloween is not his first movie. No, so, we had uh, uh, Assault on Precinct 13th, yeah. which is Dark why, Star. Which is why Donald Pleasance actually accepted the role of... Uh, wait, am I saying that right? Donald Pleasance... Yeah, Donald Pleasance accepted the role um, of Dr. Loomis because his daughter saw Assault on Precinct 13 and actually or also really enjoyed the music okay. in it. And, 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 you know, when he mentioned the part I guess to I'm assuming maybe over a family dinner that's how I visualize it his daughter goes oh my god that's John Carpenter like you like he's he's so talented he's so great like you have to do this movie and he was like oh do I okay <laughs> and, that's, and that's how Don Pleasance became Dr. Loomis that's pretty cool it was daughter. supposed it was supposed to be Christopher Lee you know that they approached Peter Cushing. He's pointing at his notes. Yes, do, I, do we have? Do so we have? Pointing. Do we have notes? We're so rude on this podcast. All we do is point. Right. I totally learned that's a that's a rude thing to do. But they, we're doing not here. Way. Not here. This is a safe zone. <laughs> they floated it out to Peter Cushing. He was coming off Star Wars. Yes. So his people asked for too much money. Yes. And he also didn't like the script. Oh, I, I did hear that too. Yes, but we adore Peter Cushing. But there was no way there he was gonna um, take that for. They, they, I mean, they hired friends and they, that never got paid. Yeah, they like their friends literally worked on yeah. as being a, a set crew or, Robert or whatever. Robert England threw down leaves, you know, <laughs> on the on this. He really did. Yeah. Then they floated out to Christopher Lee, and Christopher Lee, of course, wanted too much money as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then then your story with Donald Pleasance and God bless his daughter, because then we get Pleasance, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Can you imagine a Christopher Lee? He always regretted oh, it, too. Oh, my God. He always regretted Oh, but, my God. But would he have come back three more times? I don't care. Is enough? I don't care. <laughs> just to have the one, just to have one Sam it would, Loomis, I, Dr. Sam Loomis. He would have been, he would have been great, but I, but Donald Pleasance, it, it became his. Yeah. It totally became I'll his. It, it, yeah, I feel like it would have been a different movie. But in the, like, you know, in the multiverse, we, we're talking about the Christopher Lee version of Halloween. Maybe we are. Yeah. Maybe we were in it. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe it actually wasn't a movie. Maybe it was real life. Oh my God. And you're doing an Instagram post on it. And I was the victim. No, this is spiraling out of control. <laughs> this is my true crime podcast. Oh my God. I actually just scared myself a little bit. Yeah, I think you did too. I did. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm reeling it in. All right. So we didn't get Lee. We didn't get Cushing, but we got Pleasance and, and, and we're forever thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought he was great. Like, how, how, I mean, how do you not? Yeah, how do how do you not 
fall in love with the man. And uh, and I heard that, that he was always very nice. Carpenter was a little intimidated by him because, he, you know, he knew him from his past works. Yeah. But uh, but he said they, they actually got along great and they became, like, really good friends. And, Don't and, you uh, and I'm pretty sure Donald Pleasant's... Um, coached him a little bit as far as like he probably had the movie biz professionalism yeah things Got of that nature so but they ended up becoming really good friends but yeah but Carpenter was like intimidated by him at first which is so weird to think that he's intimidated by anybody I also think that's adorable <laughs> yes Donald right Pleasant. I thought I know I think I think I booped his nose on the screen I was like oh boop <laughs> ah. <laughs> but I just thought that was pretty cool um so yeah but yeah like I said everyone uh even um even Jamie Lee Curtis was was helping carry around like equipment, like they, like when when you watch the documentary, everyone goes like literally everybody did everything. Like there literally was not a hierarchy. I read the same a thing. hierarchy. I read at the all. same thing that it was very much like, hey everybody, we're gonna put on a show. Yeah, and everybody pitched in. I heard that Donald Pleasance pitched in. I mean that's. Incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. incredible. And, and, and sinners, when I say pitched in, I mean like carry equipment, pack shit up to move it to the you know the next shot, help set up. Yeah. You know, no one was too cool for school here. It sounds like it was so much fun to make. Yeah, they, they 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 said they genuinely had a great time. I'm not gonna lie. Even even John Carpenter, who can be a bit of a curmudgeon from time to time and a little cranky, he wants what he wants when he wants it. He does. But even when he talks about Halloween, he smiles. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. It helped give him his, his shot at his career when, pew! I asked. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like flying the wall stuff. Oh, I just wish. It's 1978. You're shooting in California. It was the spring, by the way. The, I did read that it was the spring. It was. Yeah, it definitely was not the fall. The, no. So those leaves that you see are all fake leaves yep. that they constantly raked up boxed it up and <laughs> dumped it out to <laughs> the next scene. You correct me if I'm wrong. Because it was the spring, they only had three pumpkins. Those pumpkins were repurposed. One of the oh, they were yeah, they were very hard to find. Yes. One of the pumpkins was actually green and they just they, painted it. They met yes, they yeah. <laughs> they did mention that. The yeah, they're like moving <laughs> I feel like you need to add like a little like sound by like a like a glittering like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Oh but God. so you mentioned like an alternate universe, right, before with um you know, uh, with Dr. Loomis's character. Yeah. So another fun thing that I actually found was when Jamie Lee Curtis got the the part of Laurie Strode, she actually was saying that she uh she might have mentioned it, but they were like, no, we're just we're gonna keep it as is because we already have our our people. But she actually saw herself more so as PJ Soul's character um, as Linda, and and she and she said to she's she's uh a, a, or at least PJ Souls mentioned this. I I, I so I heard. I it. was gonna say. I heard it. Well, says this. I heard it from PJ her mouth. Souls. But she was like, yes, yeah, like, Jamie Lee Curtis apparently was like more like she she was uh, jealous of my part. I guess because she kind of got to do more stuff. Off. Um, you know, with the sex scene was fun and blah blah blah. She and gets she good lines. and she was she got good lines, yeah, you know, lines. like the, the totally became like her, you know, calling card and yeah. and um it was but and, and and Jamie Lee Curtis she said that she's like I in real life I was more that type of person. Yeah. So outgoing. Yeah, I don't think it was too much of a fight to for her to try to switch roles. But but imagine but imagine if the roles were switched. See yeah, now, that's I find you know that's interesting. Here's the thing: I see it from Carpenter's perspective and Deborah Hill's perspective that I think that I think that Jamie Lee Curtis can play 
kind of, uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis is, is absolutely gorgeous, but she could play more of a, of a mousy character. She, she pulled it off. But I don't know the PJ Souls and PJ Souls, if you're listening, I am your number one fan. <laughs> I, I just adore PJ Souls. Yeah, I've met her before. Oh She's my very God, sweet. I love her to death. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I would believe that PJ Souls has too much personality. Not discounting Jamie Lee Curtis, she's got personality for like the, another galaxy, right? But, but just like that, it's almost like the bubbliness exudes from her. Yes, I don't know if she could play the quiet, like um, bookwormy kind of yes. type. Yes, you know, which Carpenter probably saw that more so in Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes, as for part, sure. You know, and 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 nothing wrong with that. It's just no. you want everyone to fit in their right uh, pieces. Like you're put, you're piecing together a movie. Worked out pretty great for I, Jamie Lee. <laughs> I think it worked out great for everybody. Yeah, honestly, and 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 she was very hard on herself too, Jamie Lee Curtis. She like she's, uh, she was saying like you know like the day one, you know they go in, they do their thing. She's like, I thought it was terrible. I was gonna get fired, and she said she got a call from Carpenter, and she's like, here it is. I'm going to get fired. I'm not going to get this movie. And Carpenter's like, yeah, you know, great first day. You know, ready for a day two. <laughs> like, he did, he, did, he did not have the same thoughts that she did. So, I, But we're all hard on, her, on ourselves, I believe. So, like, we, you, we couldn't all be our own worst enemy, I feel like. And that's so normal. I read the same thing. Yeah. That she had the doubts, got the phone call from Carpenter. And it floored me because my note's right here. <laughs> we're pointing again. Pointing again. <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis, so natural, so good. She's so... Everything checks out in this movie. I'm like, yeah, that's a teenager. She was actually the only teenager uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah, she was. Cast. But I'm like, that's a teenager. That feels right. That feels natural. They're not, they don't have dumb, grown-up words coming out of their mouth. Uh, Deborah Hill did most of the female dialogue, by the way. Yes, Yeah, that's true. So, but everything... That's why the movie is at the level that it's at because it feels very true to life it just made sense like okay yeah these kids feel real you know yes. they don't feel like oh this is what an adult feels like a teenager is like in 78 yeah you know? no I, I i felt it came off very natural you know like the, the girls talking about babysitting you know the other girls talking about dating and and you know cheerleading and and the, the, yeah the dialogue wasn't like far off of any other conversation i probably have had in real life so shannon i'm going to i'm i'm going to Shut my d- dumb yapper, and let's do this justice. Though you were taking us down the correct path to go to for this movie, which is let's go through it. Let's go through. Let's go through the movie. You know, we started with uh, let, let's start with Michael at six years old getting super stabby on his sister. Sure. The so yeah so the so you get the the, the um uh, what do you call it the. Um... The shot, the point of view, the uh, the first person point of view, right? Where you start right from the outside and going in. So it does it, and it looks so seamless. Um, it's it's actually three cuts because of course they did it a couple times. Obviously, just about everything you see in a movie is it's not one and done. Where are the cuts? It, mm-hmm. it's 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 so there is there is um they do point them out. I honestly, I really only remember one, and I believe it was either right before I think it's like as he's putting the mask on alright that would make sense because you almost go fade to black and not fade to black but yeah, you go black like it, 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 it was, it's holes. a scene okay. or it was uh, either that or there's a part where they're ter- where he turns 
And, uh, you know, in the, in the bottom part of the house, before he gets to his sister's room, to Judith's room, um, it's very dark in the house. Yeah. You know, they, turn, they pretty much turned all the lights off. And I think by the time he gets to her room, she has, like, the one lamp on as she's, um, you know, sitting there naked, brushing her hair after having the, the quickest sex, I think, anybody has ever had, if you're paying attention to, like, the timing. But whatever. <laughs> Neither here nor there. That's and he, the way and it was he, back in 78. And he, and he was <laughs> dressed and ready to go and just ran out the front door. Okay, bye! <laughs> Right, like, so hard to get killed two seconds later. But, but anywho, call me. So, anyway, he's like, yeah, okay, bye. Let's go into my next girlfriend's house. Okay, so he get murdered. I don't know. But uh, so there's a scene where um, the camera's turning and like, so it's like a dark corner. Okay. Where I think they found that they could cut it there, and you can't tell because of the shadowing. I tell. It's just I, I thought it was one. I I, I saw it, watched it, and while hearing it, yeah, we cut it here, and I still can't tell. That's pretty incredible, right? That's pretty. I love that. Scene. Yeah, that I never knew that. I thought that was like um, they just kept doing it until they got the one scene shot done. Okay. The whole thing, and that's not the case apparently. Three, right. so three cuts. All right, so of course, front lawn, parents come home. Um, oh, and when the parents come home, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, so we mentioned the panaglide before, so that was that was done with that. Now, the if you remember, uh, as soon as the mask gets ripped off and the parents are just standing there, um, that, that it it uh, pans out. Yeah. So that is uh, that's the that's a dolly, that that goes back and up. That's not a crane. No. Yeah, how the hell would they afford a crane? No, they were, it was it was a dolly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They because they, they were, I think they were thinking about using a dolly for like the opening scene, but then when they found the Panaglide, Carpenter was like, "No, we need that. <laughs> we need that." Uh, so, but they did. I think they got the dolly anyway. So he just decided to utilize it for that because now it's very dramatic. We're we're going up and out. How many um, times do we talk about the movies that we love and they're they tend to skew horror movies on the lower budget side like the classics the one that really resonate you know you think about your Texas Chainsaw Massacres and, and your Nightmare on Elm Street Last House on the Left Halloween you know stuff like this Jaws even I mean I know there was a studio with a, with a big budget but it's the ingenuity of having to think of things on the fly right this creativity that makes these little magical moments that just that just blow me away just absolutely blows me away and then you go and you know you see these these mega insane budget movies and even though they can be good it's you don't get those magical moments because there's no necessity you're not boxed into a corner and you gotta figure this shit out because you you don't have money you have to use imagination where sometimes I remember like even like something okay well let's downscale it right when you if you remember going like back in the day when you're playing just as a kid I remember some of the most funnest games that me and my cousins would play. What we we didn't physically need anything. No. We needed outside. Yeah. And literally just look around the world and we're like, "Hey guys, let 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 let's play superheroes right now." And and we would just create a world and we could see it. Yeah. And that's you know I feel like movies obviously it's a much grander scale and there's stakes and and money and blah 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 contracts and what have you. Yeah. But um it's but it, just the imagination is there. When the I'm sorry, when the imagination is there, it's um it, it usually turns out to be a pretty pretty good film yeah. just because of that alone. Look, 
Carpenter didn't have to take notes from three guys who went to the Wharton Business School asking him how he could cram Pepsi up the ass of this movie. You know? That's right. We're looking at you, business devils. <laughs> ruining movies. You, you and, know who you are. You and your money. Yeah. <laughs> Prick. And big desk. Fuck you. <laughs> that escalated I, quickly. I almost, I almost spat out my beer. <laughs> Guys, you almost heard a spit take. <laughs> Wait, um, these same people wouldn't be uh, possible sponsors, would they? Do we have to retract that? <laughs> fix it in post. <laughs> Although we won't. You know we won't. Never gonna fix <laughs> if it. If you've listened to every episode by now, guess what we'd we love to make you do? Listen to our dumb mistakes. How about that? Because we're human too. Damn it. Exactly. Okay, so we're uh, we're we are 15 years later, and we're back in Haddonfield. And then we're introduced to our, uh, you know, our, our three high school girls. So we've got Annie. Mm-hmm. By the way, that was my secret crush. Oh. Back in the day. Big Annie fan. Okay. Big Annie fan. Annie was fun. Annie's so much fun. Nancy. Uh, Linda. No, PJ Souls was Linda. Oh, no, but uh, Annie was played by Nancy. I want to get the name oh, right. Oh, I'm sorry. She Nancy, was my... Nancy, I don't know if it's it Kyes or Keys. No, it is K-Y-E-S. So it's, I believe it's Keys. Okay. Yeah, so Nancy She goes Keys. on to marry Tommy Lee Wallace, who directs Halloween 3. That's right. I forgot about that. Divorce, but still, I kind of I love that parent. That little connection. Yeah, I did forget about that. Nancy Keys turns up in the fog as um, yes. Janet Lee's assistant. Yep. And that happened, and I was like, oh, I think this is meant to be. <laughs> Sadly, it wasn't, because uh, I don't live in California, and she's 30 years older than me. So it, was <laughs> it just got weird. Um, so now, okay, we have our, our, our protagonist, and um, you know we're introduced to the gang, and right off the bat, we're kind of led to believe, not led to believe, they show us, that... Um, that Lori is the bookish one. You know, she's kind of the good girl. She, Jamie Lee Curtis fought against it, though. She's like, I kind of don't get this virginal aspect to it. I just, on that night, I didn't happen to have a date, and I hadn't asked out Ben Tramer yet, um, who, by the way, spoiler alert for Halloween 2, things mm-hmm. go horribly wrong with Ben Tramer. Yep. Yes, they do. So, so uh, you know, I just I just planted a little hook for, yeah. our, next, uh, for our centers. So now you have to listen. So, but but Jamie Lee pushed against it a little bit. She she was like, I, I, I'm smoking weed, listening to Don't Fear the Reaper with Annie. Yeah. Like, all right, maybe I wasn't getting it on like PJ Souls, you know, but she was like I don't I don't get the virginal aspect to it and I agree with her I think after the movie came out and then it was kind of like you know then we hit the 80s and boy oh boy it was just slasher heaven that they kind of took that trope and just like boy they hammered it to death a little bit yeah I mean if you watched a slasher movie in 82 and there was a young girl and she was carrying a textbook she was gonna make it to the final reel (laughs) she was the final girl and she was gonna live yeah Yeah. unlike PJ Souls' character Linda where she goes what I always forget my chemistry book my math book my biology book my science book who needs books I don't need books (laughs) PJ Souls book learning's the worst I I loved that scene I don't know why but she really did she had some great lines in, in the film <laughs> oh it was great it was great um so okay so we establish that um it's it's halloween and um they're all kind of throwing their plans together for the night which again felt very much 
true to the moment, the teenage years. Because nobody knew what the hell anybody was kind of doing, and they were kind of throwing things together on the fly, and where are we going to be? Maybe we'll be here, maybe we'll be there. No, you call him, and then Annie's like, oh, I'm going to call Ben Tramer. Oh, you better not. Like, it just felt very, like, haphazard and exciting, and they were all looking to get through this friggin' babysitting gig so that they could get together and drink and get stoned and and get late. It didn't sound scripted. No! That's why. Like, it was... I had a million of those nights. Yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Million of those things. Oh, I miss them all. <laughs> so anyway, just you know, ringing the bell that this movie feels very um, natural. Yes, you know, it doesn't feel feel forced. So now, I'm stopping all over uh, your your summary, but I do want to point out one thing. Now we start to get those weird moments with Michael Myers. Yes. So, uh, so we get to the point where we, we meet Doctor Loomis, um, as well as uh, the nurse. They're traveling to uh, the. We're tra- yeah, we're traveling to the um, to the mental hospital, we, and we come across all of the uh, all the patients are outside and just wandering around. And clearly, Michael Myers has an escape scene. Um, and a lot of people go into this where they talk about the, um, how he how did he drive a car. A lot of people ask that question. I feel like, and. It's, they do talk about it in the film. It's very quick. It was a very quick scene about, uh, you, uh, you know, like, um, I forgot who Dr. Loomis was talking to. That's <laughs> that's Sean opening his second beer. <laughs> and um, so, but he, and he mentions it like, oh, he can't even drive a car. And, and you know, uh, Dr. Loomis simply says, he's like, he was doing fine last night. Maybe somebody gave him lessons. So I just, I just kind of wanted to point that out because I feel a lot of people throughout the years have, have always had an issue with that. I like and that they have I, an issue I, with that. Not that he's a, like a, um, servant of the devil. <laughs> well, I think that's, well, I don't think they, a supernatural. Servant, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think they mentioned, well, I don't, I think the whole point was to kind of plant it, but not go into it. So it's, you know, cause Carpenter always said, he's like, I saw him as a man, but more, but a little bit more than a man. But I wanted that. He's like, I kept that mystery even to myself. I didn't want to explain it. Yeah. And you know, and as soon as it did, that's the worst fucking movie there is. Yeah. Curse of Michael Myers. So fuck that. But, um, but yeah, but I just like, I just wanted to point that out about the, the whole driving of the car part because yeah, how the fuck did he like, so it basically, he was biding his time. He might've been planning. He somehow learned maybe, or he just fucking figured it out. I don't know, but if we're really going to go down this road, why would people have a problem with driving in the car? Which, okay, could be problematic. And they don't have a problem with he drove 150 miles to find what would turn out to be his sister with no GPS or anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he knew exactly where he was going, apparently. I don't know. I've Do you had... know what I missed time and time again? Unless um, he had a map. I don't know. When when Loomis finds the the um, the uh, tow truck mm-hmm. and uh, and he's on the, you know, he's making the phone call, I had missed so many times the dead guy in the bushes. So what, what's fun about that one is there is, uh, I've always loved that trivia question too. Like how many people died in the original Everybody, Halloween? It's like the dog in Jaws. Everyone forgets about the mechanic, right? Yes. 
No, he's dead. Uh, well, because like, where, where did he get the suit? He had to. He had to change out of his uh, hospital gown that he was wearing. Oh my God, how funny would it be if he was actually killing people in that <laughs> stupid hospital gown with his ass hanging out? Yeah. <laughs> Not if, the same movie. I don't think it would have. No. I don't think it would have been as effective. <laughs> I, 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 I do think it would. Again, alternate. Um, I'll go with alternate universe uh, version. This of alternate Halloween. universe. Is That's weird. the one where Christopher Lee is Doctor Loomis, <laughs> and <laughs> Linda is actually played by Jamie Lee Curtis. So. <laughs> That's the movie. That's the alternate version of Halloween somewhere in the galaxy. But um, one thing that I, I always thought that was really great about, um, especially this film, because I don't recall really any other movie ever doing this that I thought was very smart was okay. So the fact that obviously he's wearing a mask, so they decided to focus on his breathing, which yeah. is super effective. It was very effective. It's still chilling to me. Yeah. You know, so, um, so, you know, so Jamie, uh, well, Laurie Strode, you know, has to drop the key off. Her father runs a real, uh, right, realty, mm-hmm. real estate agent, agency. And, uh, so she has to drop off the key at the Myers house because, uh, he's going to showcase that piece of shit for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember in the it second. It smells like half eaten dog. It's like it's been abandoned. The, the, you find out it's been abandoned the entire time. Who the fuck are you showing it to <laughs> that will buy that house? It's, it's, it's boarded up. Everyone, it, it's that, it's that house that, like, everyone walks past and little kids will go up to it. You know, house. to, it's the haunted, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the haunted house. It's that it's that house in the in the in the sh- in the neighborhood. Uh, so, oh, sorry, we haven't gotten there yet. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Z- zip, no, Where? please continue. Zip <laughs> my mouth shut. Okay. So the um, so yeah, so because a lot of people will say too, like oh, like oh, because like, do you think it was his sister the whole time? So they never. That was never on on the factor at all, I think, when they were making the original film. Not so, even remotely. My theory was... And, and Deborah Hill kind of somewhat confirms this, where... Um, so it's it's to me... Because it's to me, it's that scene where she walks up to the house to drop off the key. Michael Myers already made it home. And he's he's inside the house as we... You know, she walks up. And then we hear him breathing. And then, you know, the score happens. And you see his shoulder, basically... Um, Hey, she, through, the, through the door. She's not twinsies, but she has a passing resemblance to his sister, who would have been the same age mm-hmm. when Michael murdered his sister, six, 16, 17. You know, same frame, hair color. If we're to just take the... Look, this guy's going back to, like, home base, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, because that's where the evil is drawing him to. And then he sees someone who vaguely resembles his sister... I'll, all right, I'm I'm good with that. I'll buy but, that. But sometimes it's just like a, a predator and prey type of a, a situation. So where at least my theory was uh, reading up on enough true crime, um, and and uh, you know certain how certain killers will pick their victims. Mm-hmm. So there's um, one if you've ever heard of Albert Fish, sure, who is probably one that's of the worst the, um, worst fucking ones. Wait, but that's the um, World's Fair killer, right? The um... What's he that? was a child's killer. He, oh, sorry, sorry, no, I got the wrong guy. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm I, like, I, I think that's I forgot his name to be honest with you, but but Albert Fish. So like, so he killed many, many children, many, and we. Oh, there's also a theory that he killed hundreds more across the United States, but that's a whole other podcast. Sorry, but uh, my my point is is that the the most famous killer killing uh, that he did was Grace Bud. She was six years old at the time, and he just he saw her. And just immediately wanted her. 
Like that, it was just as simple as that. So that's kind of how I see this scene. Um, that she, you know, like he made it home. This girl walked up to his house, and now she literally just showcased herself as, and that was a it. victim. Yeah, that's she became his project okay. for whatever reason. He just felt a connection to her, and he saw her, and he wanted her. And follow, and he followed everyone around that he knew that was going to be around her, and that was enough. The um the story when, when researching Halloween two, the story that I saw over and over and over again that Carpenter says is that he regrets the family aspect because when he put together the script for Halloween two, he had tremendous writer's block. Oh yes, he couldn't figure out. They, they were saying, why, why, why? If, if we're going to have a part two, why? You know, so you got to come up why with... Why would you continue going exactly. after her still? Yeah. You got to come up with something. And it was th- a factor of three. It was lack of sleep. Well, four, actually. It was the deadline approaching that he had to get the script in. So that led to lack of sleep, which led to uh, him drinking an enormous amount of Budweiser. Yeah. And then him saying, okay, you know what, we're just going to, I'm going to stitch together this family aspect. And uh, he regrets it. And I don't blame him. It's, it, he didn't need it. You know, no. he didn't need to do it. No, so anyway. like I said, I think it, I, I, I would have accepted the fact, you know, like literally just from the story I just told, of so that's what happens sometimes. They just, they just pick somebody and that was, yeah. and it's, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah. but I guess in the movie world, they needed, yeah, they, I guess they needed a reason. I don't know why. I suppose you could say that family aspect did give, it put enough oxygen in the fire for, four, five, six, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and the, the reboots. So there's that, but it, yeah, it never felt, I could have done without it. It didn't feel, it did nothing for me. Yeah. You know, you didn't, anyway. need, you didn't need it in Friday the 13th. Just not at all. So no. anyway, gang, that's not what happens in Halloween. There's no family connection whatsoever. That's for Halloween too. So right now, and beyond, <laughs> I love your theory that it's very much imprinting. That's you. You're the one I'm going to get. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, okay. that's it. Simple. Simple, simple. <laughs> so, okay, so we get... So I'm definitely going to feel like I'm just going to skip all over the place. But, um... All right, so so that, so now we start the whole stalking thing, right? He's following the little kids. He's following... Oh, crap. Can I interrupt you for one second? Sure. I'm confused by this. I don't know the answer, so I'm asking you. Oh, okay. Upon rewatching it just the other day... Why is Loomis so fixated on the matchbook cover of the Red Rabbit Lodge, L- lounge? When when Marion is sm- the nurse is smoking in the station wagon on their way up to to, to the um, sanitarium. Okay. She lights up a ciggy. Okay. And puts the pack on the dash, and the Red Rabbit Lounge is very prominent. And there's a shot of Loomis looking at the matchbook and the cigarettes. And it's such an established shot that, like, you had to do a setup for this shot. So it was very much Loomis looks at the cigarettes, is intrigued by the cigarettes and the and the matchbook. Like, it's a very establishing shot. Then he finds the um, truck with our dead mechanic in the bushes, and he sees the Red Rabbit matchbook cover. Okay. So, like... I can't 
I don't know what that means. Oh. I don't know. I don't think I ever noticed that before. It's, it's, I assure you, it is blaringly obvious, but it's, I'm blind to it. I can't see it. Maybe, uh, I mean, it's possible that it was supposed to relay something, but then they just found out it just, it didn't work, so they cut it out, but they kept those scenes in. Yeah. Like, it's possible there's a, uh, you know, maybe something happened at the Red, Red Rabbit Lounge. He finds a damn match. He sees the damn matchbook cover with the um, with the uh, uh, the pickup truck. It's a very establishing shot of that as well, and I'm like, I don't, I just don't know what this means. Because I mean, because if I remember correctly, his first guess on where Michael Myers would go is back home. Was back home. Okay, it was the first place he went to, and he turned out to be right. Right, he was. He was. At, well, I think they found. Did they find anything? I don't think so. I think he just assumed he was there. Okay. I'm. I don't. I'm trying to remember now. Oh, you, you, I, mean, I literally just watched this movie too. You would think I would remember, but my apologies, sinners. But um. No, this actually may get cut in post because I don't want to tease the sinners, and we don't have an answer for it. I'm actually trying to look it up right now. Okay. Because I feel like it's a cut scene. I don't. I never. I never really noticed it. I never uh, honed in on that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it just. It, it's real weird. I, I've watched. I've watched the damn movie over and over and over again. And sure enough, there's friggin' T-shirts made of it. Really? This is Red Rabbit Lounge Halloween. That's I, so funny. Yeah. Um. The rare. Okay. Okay. You know what? There's got to be an answer to it somewhere. Yeah. We're. We, uh, okay. All right, sinners. We're gonna do this in real time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Uh, Nurse Marion has a matchbook from the lounge which she used to light her cigarettes. Okay, Sam Loomis notices the matchbooks briefly. Later on, after Michael escapes, Loomis stumbles upon a ripped hospital gown and abandoned truck from Phelps' garage. Okay. okay. He then finds the matchbook from earlier and realizes that Michael has been here. Loomis leaves... Oh, that's that's it. Loomis leaves quickly, rushing to Haddonfield, but he fails to notice the mechanic's body in the tall grass behind him. Okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. So the, red, the 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 matchbook cover was there to establish that instead of um instead of uh Loomis just coming up upon an abandoned truck cuz how would Loomis know that Michael had anything to do with that abandoned truck? He escaped oh, in a station have, wagon. It could have been in a, yeah, see, you're right. It could have been um Now sure enough, Michael doesn't take the pickup truck, but now Loomis knows because of the red rabbit matchbook cover he'd been uh, here oh but again maybe he doesn't walk 10 feet and find the body yeah. <laughs> sam loomis he's human he makes mistakes too all right that makes me feel better it still feels a little janky i still feel like there it means more but probably not all right all right i'm sufficiently satisfied with there you go with, with that now i want one of those t-shirts yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, so now, uh, so we pretty much, you know, get through, we, you know, we find out, um, from Annie's father, who we found out who is a police officer, you know, that he, um, you know, is investigating a break-in at a, uh, I, I don't know why the store would be closed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless it was, like, overnight or whatever, but the, the alarm was still going off in after school hours, yeah. so I'm like, why, why was the store closed? It was during the day, and it's Halloween day, like, why is it, nope, too late. Also, Sheriff bracket lovely man horrible cop can't smell weed oh yeah oh yeah 
He's like, oh, my dad, hide this. I'm like, my dad would have been like, really? I mean, come on, 1978 weed, you would have smelled from across the street. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I'm like, Sheriff Brackett. Either, Sheriff Either that or he's just like, whatever, and he just, just go. See, just... I like to think that Sheriff Brackett had just smoked and thought it was his weed. <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, I hope my daughter can't smell that weed on. Anyway, <laughs> that's yeah, ultimate I mean, universe. It was, it was the 70s. Yeah, but I have it in my notes. Sheriff Brackett can't smell weed, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> I, re- that's, I really enjoy that scene. I really, really do. Because <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, my father would have smelled it, like, miles away. Fuck. I would have been, I would have been, if you weren't babysitting tonight, you're grounded. Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This scene is shortly followed by one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. And it's not played for comedic, comedic effect, but I always see it that way. So, Dr. Loomis asked to talk to Sheriff Brackett. Brackett's like, I gotta take care of this stupid alarm situation at the hardware store. And he's waiting there. So Loomis is just waiting. And we got the shot of the other side of the street. Uh-huh. And Loomis in center frame. And there's Michael Myers. Yep. And then he makes the, he ma- he that, makes the just, left. <laughs> and he's got the mask on. He just turns. <laughs> just. And, it doesn't play as comedic in the film at all. It's actually like, oh my god, there he is. Turn around, turn around, turn around. But every time I watch that scene, I'm like, he's got the mask on, and it's so good. Because it's... <laughs> it's just stupid Michael Myers driving by, giving him the finger. Yeah. It's like, uh-huh. You looking for me? <laughs> Do you think he noticed him there, too? Yes. Like, Michael Myers noticed. He's like, fuck, he found me here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he did. And I think he was like, I care not at all. No, he didn't give a shit. He and he's also probably like, I need a nap because I just ate half a dog. Yeah. <laughs> My belly is full. It's possible. Did you notice when we started talking about the dog being eaten, Charlie left the room? Yes. <laughs> he's not here. Our mascot left the room. He's like, that's bullshit. <laughs> what kind of movie is this? We also, this is the scene in the station wagon where we get the mention of Laurie's two possible Romeos, Dick Baxter, big thumbs down, according yeah. to Laurie. Yep. And then poor Ben Tramer. Poor Ben Tramer. I mean, Ben, you just had the bad luck of a poorly planned costume, I Yo, suppose. Oh, I suppose so. But, but that's 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 in the second part. Yeah, we can't talk about that. Yeah. So, anyway, sorry, so now we at least we've got we got all our characters in the same town now and I feel like this we're going from day to night. We do we do get the a lot of scenes now of just the like the babysitting shenanigans with the kids. Yeah. And the establishing shots of you're in the house across the street, I'm here PJ Souls is gonna swing by. Like, so we're like leading up to the plans for the night. Yeah. But it's it's that subtle shift from day to night. And now this is a happy accident as well because they only had three hundred thousand dollars. That this movie is in- incredibly and increasingly dark because they didn't have money for lights, but they use it so effectively. They really did. You know, all of the places that Annie. Now I'm with Annie, not Lori, but all of the like Annie's in the kitchen. And she's talking to her boyfriend, and there's, like, the darkened hall over her left shoulder or her right shoulder. Like, everything is very intense. Yeah. Because you're just waiting for Michael Myers that for that damn friggin' mask to come out. And this movie, even though I know it beat by beat by beat, it always sets me on edge because there's so much dark in space. Yes. 
So the um, and we'll get into like like more like the ender like the ender scene. What words? What are words? What are words? <laughs> the, what is language? What is language? <laughs> We're me, calling it ender from now me, on. Sinners, me come fa- at us. Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> Siri ender. <laughs> So I'll get more into that for uh, uh, a scene towards the end of the film. Okay. But um, but yeah, they they really used him very effectively as in um, just his stalking abilities, like just him being in the background as she's like, yeah, she's on the phone with her boyfriend. Um, you know, they establish she's going to sneak out and come over to the the place after all, uh, and that's what um, you know brings Annie to uh, her. She was babysitting Lindsay. Um, and uh, that's what brings her to a take young Lindsay. Kyle Richards. Yes. Of Real Wives of Beverly Hills fame. Why do you know that? Because I watch all of them. <laughs> I watch every single one. By default or? Uh, oh no, I'm not. Oh, uh, you're by yourself. Like, no, I'm by myself with my popcorn. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide behind anything. I watch him, I put him right into my eyes, and and I love it. <laughs> and I will bathe the shame off me later. <laughs> But I'm not hiding it. Nope, love it. Fair enough. I'm like, I didn't even know that. I feel like I just told you I'd take heroin. Because <laughs> you're looking at me now like, I don't know. Do I, like, do we why, continue? Like, why, do you, why do you know about the... Is the podcast over? <laughs> but, um... And I lost my place. Where am I? <laughs> I don't even. I'm, I'm, I was a little. I feel like a little side swiped. I was like, wait a second. Real I mean, housewife. I would think that I just said to you, like, wait, you never stabbed a hobo. What the, what's, what's the beef? <laughs> so, All right. So my so weird it, TV watching aside, where were we? <laughs> so Andy's babysitting Lindsay. She brings. Uh, oh, so she's on the phone with her boyfriend, right? Because I skipped a part. So uh, you know, you, she's walking back and forth like the frame, and then old Michael Myers is there in the background for the I, I guess like the, the just their back doors to the to backyard I presume right because she goes out for some reason they have their washer and dryer like at it like an outside shed oh yeah was outside like, the house I was like is this this is fancy but insanely inconvenient yeah but I got the fancy vibes, right? right? What if you're going to the dryer to get clothes that you need and you're walking in the rain? Yeah. Awful. awful Insanely cho- inconvenient. Awful choices. But also fancy. Mm. All right. Yeah. I would hate mm. that. Rich people. What do they know? I know. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, but she goes, she goes in there to wash her clothes and then he's like right outside the door, um, which locks her in. But I don't think he locks her in. Wait, I got to mention one thing. Yeah. I had to look this up. Oh. I was like. Did John Carpenter kill a dog? The scene where Michael Myers, because you only see its legs, kills um, the dog, the right. German Shepherd, and then all of a sudden the dog's little legs go yeah. limp. I found out, because I had to look it up, because I'm like, I think, did they kill a dog? The, tr- the dog like, trainer... Like, you think they really actually killed a dog? I, yeah, I was like... No, they would I, never actually kill well, a dog. <laughs> I had to look it up on okay. the interwebs. <laughs> I don't look. I don't know John Carpenter back in '78. This guy could have done some weird stuff. Okay, fair. so I, I, I just, I really didn't think they killed a dog, but I was. But you're like, how did you how find did, out? How did they get that? You yeah. can't tell a dog relax your legs. You can't yeah. even tell my dog to go out. So, the trainer actually had the dog, um, picked up the dog, and then was actually putting the dog down, and the dog instinctively put its legs straight so that oh. it could, you know 
go on the ground, and they just played the, that in slow motion. Oh, so you just see the legs go. So it limp. looks like it just like yeah, it looks like it just drops. Oh, that's pretty. Cl- that's actually pretty clever. You want to sing it with me? What the incredible movie magic of Hollywood? We made up our own words. You have your song, I have mine. It's fine. I can't wait for the next Bloodletters. Why does your podcast suck? Your songs don't even match. You don't even know you're a child's song. All right, so I just wanted to explain that. I thought it was fascinating that yeah, they did actually it in did slow not... motion. Yeah, that's, that's actually one of the things they like did not talk about. Also completely forgot that the dog got killed. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, never... A good scene. Just like... An animal dies. It's so weird. Like, you watch movies five years apart or whatever, and I get it that, like, you just forget stuff, but I that's what I love about rewatching movies. Me too. You yeah, you always, you'll stuff. always, like, catch something. You're like, oh, I didn't notice that the first 150 times I've seen this film. <laughs> did you know about the first dozen times I watched this movie? I did not know that Annie also got stabbed. I thought she just got choked in the car, but he... Stabs her too at the end. Does he? Yeah. See, I Thank feel. You. I feel like I watched that scene again. And I'm like, no. I think she. I. It looks like he's just strangling her. And then you know how it really. How you know no because in Halloween two, when Sheriff Brackett takes back the sheet, her throat is sliced. Gotcha. And it's like crazy bloody because John Carpenter was just like Heinz ketchup this whole movie. <laughs> but I didn't. It's weird. It's like the angle is weird. But at the very end, he takes the knife out. Now, he doesn't, like, slit her throat. It's almost like he kind of, like, jabs her in the jugular. But then in Halloween 2, you see, like, you know, you got it's you. a real throat slit. But again, but no blood. this movie a million times. But because there's no blood. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, I feel like that blood would spray out. Like, that's like that, that's what's what everybody loves about a good throat slit, right, in the movies. Like, it normally would either bleed out or uh, well no it, it would definitely bleed out but i mean like it would it gushes out yeah you know just to i don't know all but right. i don't remember there was no blood there was no blood in in that scene at all but very, um no very little uh no they're very there's more blood in psycho actually than there is in this movie yeah believe it or not yeah so, i believe it I like, got, you don't see a drop of blood we got, uh, I guess I kind of fast forward just a little bit. So now we do, we have Annie dead, which is really our first like, holy shit. Yeah. Now it's, 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 yeah. it's honing in. Now it's, it's, it's on. The, the, yeah. The danger is, is definitely here now. So it's, uh, yeah. So now Linda and her boyfriend, oh my God, I forgot Bob. his name. Bob. Bob. Good old Bob. You know, I literally just saw like a bobblehead thing recently where um, I'm going to kind of skip to Bob's death because if you remember his death, he pops out of the closet um, at, when he's, he's downstairs getting them, you know, like another beers, another yeah. beer, another beer. And he, um, you know, he, you know, decides to open a closet because he thinks Annie and her boyfriend are playing tricks on him because they never came back to the house. So that that's a mystery there. But it's Halloween. So no one's really thinking anything seriously wrong is happening. And Lynn is a bit of a prankster. Yeah, just a little bit. So they uh, so, he, you know, Michael uh, bursts out of the door and he, you know, raises him kind of like in a chokehold, but then sticks the knife in him. And he just stays on the wall, like kind of like like he's a now you know a, a, a pamphlet on a corkboard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> guitar lessons with Bob. <laughs> so uh, and that's a scene, uh, you know, again an iconic thing for Michael where he does the head tilt. 
just like admiring him. So anyway, there's there's a little like a little statuesque of bobbleheads of a, a bob just on the wall That's and a little bobble a, a bobblehead. <laughs> I Meyer. think I need to get that. <laughs> I need to get the red rabbit lounge T-shirt, and I need the bob bobblehead. Yeah. Okay, I'm throwing this out to you. In the canon of Halloween, and we're watching this movie, and okay, we've got some weird shit. Understandably. He's eaten a dog. You're right. We get that. Um, he can drive with no lessons. We get that. There's there's some weird stuff going on here, but it's but but it's all at this up until now, it can all be explained away of a escaped lunatic. But now, with him lifting Bob with one hand, mm-hmm. now I feel like we're tripping over into, okay, there's something else here. We're, we're brushing up against the supernatural mm-hmm. because he has, he has his strength, which a normal man can't lift another man his size with one hand. Arm. With one hand, yeah. Like, and again, it's and also, not... I don't, I also don't think his weight would hold as as big as that knife is. Right. Yeah. It's. I don't think it would go through him enough to puncture on the wall to get or like. I don't know. Like, it's. I mean, it's quickly going to be. We're quickly going to know that we're dealing with an a quote unquote other here because of how many times Laurie actually stabs him and he's shot and you know he's Im- immortal or impervious but this was the first instance in the movie where when I saw it for the first time I was like oh yeah I think this guy is the boogeyman yeah you know that there's he's not of this world any longer what Loomis is saying that he's basically trans transitioned into pure evil I'm like oh so this is what that is this yeah. is the embodiment of yes. pure evil yeah so and they do they do another like kind of little seed at the end as well which i'll, I'll explain. okay cool yeah I, they do a little bit and i actually noticed something too with that scene which i'll probably go into in the second part when we talk about uh part two um but either way whatever i'll circle back okay so it's uh so yeah so now we you know now bob is dead who uh that was played by john michael graham that's what i forgot before so uh you know now we get upstairs he does like that weird little <laughs> ghost sheet with with his glasses on I can't say that Michael Myers doesn't have a sense of humor. I mean, come on. Come on. He always appear embodiment of evil, but yes, some chuckles. So he does that, uh, and Linda's like, what, you know, finally, like, okay, you're being weird. This is whatever. Um, and so, you know, she then she gets choked out when she calls um, Lori. I almost called her Annie. I'm like, no, <laughs> Lori. And now this is what entices Lori now to go over to the house. Because she's yeah. like, okay, something does sound a little weird at this point. So, you know, because then she's realizing, all oh, the lights are turned off. Or they're, they're turning on, they're, and then now they're completely turned off. So she's like, ah, the kids are asleep. Let me go check it out. Don't forget, you also have Tommy Jarvis telling Lori, because Tommy Jarvis looks out the window and sees Michael carrying Annie's lifeless body yeah. up the porch. He also saw him before that too, when he was stalking Annie. Yes, yes. He just so he just literally saw the, the shape. So he's like, "Is this the boogeyman?" Yeah. So like now, I think with that, with Tommy Jarvis all freaked out, and he's talking about the boogeyman, and now like all these things are all the alarm bells are going off for Lori, and then yeah, then we get her over to the house. Right. Yeah, so now we, and, you know, and then the iconic scene of you know seeing all of her friends one by one, uh, you know, and and. 
on top of having a sense of humor and, you know, possibly being supernatural, he's also a pretty good decorator. If you think about it, and whenever, when Bob, like, comes out swinging, yeah. I'm like, what is, what is holding him up? What, what is he swinging from? <laughs> the answer to that is probably another person. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, that's really impressive. <laughs> Do yeah. you think this is the first horror movie that employed that trope of... Because this is... This is our first final girl. I know that we've talked about this before, and I'm like, Laurie Strode's the first final girl. I know that we definitely have movies from other countries, and Sinners, please, correct me if I'm wrong. I encourage it. Yeah. But as far as American horror cinema goes, I know we've had Last House on the Left. I know we've had Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I, we've had other horror movies, and we've even touched up with Black Christmas, Oh shit! I think I just answered my own question. Yeah, but, I was going to say Christmas that. Black Christmas is Canadian. Oh, the, okay, okay, fair enough. But because that was seventy-seven. But Carpenter was obsessed with that movie so much that he actually asked Bob Clark if he could write a sequel, which which he said he could, and he wrote it, and he, it turned into something else. But anyway, in Black Christmas, I love do Black you Christmas. have um? Do you have uh? uh like the scene where she goes in and she finds all the bodies like one by one. Yeah. You know what that's very much kind of like? That's a lot of um, the R.L. Stein books too. Oh shit. That was, uh, that's, I feel like that a lot, uh, like the Fear Street books specifically, okay. not Goosebumps per se, but the, if you oh, read, if you read uh, so the Fear Street Fear books, Street. Yeah. that's, the, so I kind of, well, but then again, what did those existence in the seventies? They did not. I don't think, I, I, I I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this there could be other instances of it, a la Black Christmas. Mm -hmm. But this was the first one that that, that did forty seven million dollars, mm -hmm. and everyone <laughs> saw. And then it was copied. I mean, boom, over and holy over cow! Again, yeah, you just go two years later, and then uh, you know, Sean S. Cunningham. Hey, God bless your sweet kissable face. We love you. But boy, oh boy, did you steal that trope? Oh yeah. He even says it. So good. He though. says it. He's like, "Yo, this movie Halloween is doing really good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rip it off." Yeah. <laughs> That's literally was his line. Are we gonna go to Camp Crystal Lake? I would love to. I, I mean, you know, it's in our state. It's uh, isn't it Jersey? Oh, maybe Jersey. Yeah, I mean, still not that far. Camp uh, Camp Nobi Nosco. I think they is have what like it's officially a, called. They have a Camp Crystal Lake, and they do a thing and. I think you get murdered. It should be mm -hmm. fun. Something like that. <laughs> but I would like to do that. Sinners, check it out. Yeah. If you live in the tri-state area. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So we get, we get, you know, we get all the bodies or whatever. Now, this is the, the really, really fun scene where it's, uh, yeah, the intensity where she, you know, obviously discovers what's going on. She runs out of the house. So, oh, oh no, no, no. I apologize. I'm skipping. Bono, that music. I'm, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! It, 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 your heart just goes right into your throat. But so now, so she obviously freaked out. She backs up into um, like right above the stairs, like a little you know like area. Mm. And now what they do is she's right next to an open door. Yeah. So you fucking know he's there, and you're just staring at darkness. Now, what was interesting with this was that. They were like, how do we do, like, a reveal? Like, they didn't want... They wanted her to back up all the way there, and they wanted him to... Like, you know that he's there, um, but they didn't want you to see him right away. It's so, one of the best reveals in cinema. It was So it was a dimmer. It's, it's so simple. That, That's yes, what I'm talking they, about. Yeah, so they, they get to that scene, uh, and then they, they slowly turned up the dimmer, 
and where I I always just assumed that he just walks forward. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, no, but he's he, not moving. No, he was there. God, <laughs> the damn whole it. time because it's like it's like a white fucking mask. Had, where you so they it? literally, yeah. So they had to turn that dimmer all the way down, and then they just slowly increased it, and then that's when he gets revealed, and then when she, yeah, and then he pops out and you know stabs her and and misses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I missed? mean, that, I always wince. She goes over the railing and she lands on the hard wooden stairs. And yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a tough one. Um, okay, so then we have we, we we've got some chasing. She's rescuing the kids, getting the kids out of the house. We have the yeah. knitting knitting needle in the neck. Yes. Which I thought. That's definitive. When yes. the first time I saw it, lights out. This movie's over. She looks over. He's out. Okay. Then he gets back. Home. She drops the knife. Then we have the iconic scene in the closet. Yes. Um, with the wire hanger right in the eye. Fantastic. Then, um, you know, uh, then we we have the um, possibly the most memed. I think of of the Holly Hollywood Jesus Christ have more beer of the Halloween movies is Michael laid flat and then he rises like a corpse. You have that half body rise, yes, and then he and then he looks over. I mean, how cool is it too when he like looks at her and then the music starts again and you're just like, oh. By the way, Shannon, come on, let's give yeah. it up for Nick Castle, who played the shape in 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 Halloween one. Yeah, a majority of this. Yeah. Yes, let, let's let's. But you're right. The majority. Majority of, it. Let, of Let's it, yeah. definitely give him a hand because he did so great and he's so goddamn funny. By the way, would go on later to direct a, a really great movie that I love, um, called The Last Starfighter, with okay. Lance Guest, who appears in Halloween in Two, too. and that's yeah. how they met. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Last okay. Starfighter fans out there, ah, I love your face. <laughs> 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 So anyway, so I'm all over the place. So now we have, we've got Loomis sees Tommy Jarvis and and, uh, Lindsay uh, run out of the house. He comes up the stairs. He fires six bullets into Michael Myers. Mm -hmm. Michael goes over the railing, thuds on the ground. And then, Lori, was that the boogeyman? Yes, I believe it was. As a matter of fact, it was. And now the movie is over. But, or is it? <laughs> so, the, so this scene where, uh, you know, Dr. Loomis goes, uh, looks over the railing, and guess what he uh, does not see? He does not see Michael Myers lying there. I'm... So, they now, this is the interesting part that um, I, I just found out, because, uh, and we're going to get more into it maybe when we do the second part, because this, obviously this is going to be a two-parter, because... Yeah, yeah, it's just too much. Yes. So, we, so, they, uh, so this scene, he actually did ask Carpenter... Okay, how do you want me to play this scene? Do you want me to play it that Dr. Loomis would know that that would happen or not know? And Carpenter goes, try both. Okay. So they so they they have both they have both filmed okay. now. The both reactions. So in the editing room, you know, it was it was decided upon if you remember his face, he yeah, he like doesn't react. He just kind of like looks or like he he looks around. Yeah. Cuz he knows. He and he says it he says it earlier. Like he's like I realize that like you know, uh, I forgot the exact numbers, but he I spent the first 7 years trying to reach him and then the next 
eight, eight. just keeping him locked yeah, up trying to keep him because locked up. he knew he was pure evil. And again, he already did things that, um, you know, if nobody gave him lessons to drive a car, he he was driven enough to figure it out. Um, pun intended. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, air high five. So, uh, <laughs> best moment of my life. So, um, so my point of that is, is when, and again, I'll get into it in the next episode a little bit more so, but if you, if you remember watching the beginning of Halloween 2, I think they use the other footage because he, then all of a sudden he's surprised and he you're like, out, he wait, he comes out the front door. Yeah. Comes out the front door and now Michael. And his eyes bug out of his head. <laughs> like, I'm like, did, did you forget that you ch- decided to like, what? Did you forget the conversation? Like you asked. There's so much wonky shit going on in, in the in in the first ten minutes of Halloween two. <laughs> We're going to talk about it, sinners. We'll it's, talk about it. it, it yeah. It's our next episode. But not only does he act surprised, Michael's body's also in the front yard now. Or in Halloween, he shoots him off the balcony into the backyard. <laughs> I, I I well does he? Yup. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Yes, he yeah, because th- that scene you get like a, a more panned out shot as opposed to. The one you originally get, where like you, you're like I, I like the like the cameraman basically is on the ground looking up, and that's the scene you get Michael falling. Yep. Um, which they so they probably did that like what I don't know like a trampoline so, or something yeah, some or wonk, whatever. There's yeah. definitely some wonky stuff going on there. Yeah. But okay, not a trampoline like a mattress or something. So now we're gonna wrap up in a moment, and we're gonna get into Halloween too. But let's just let's just talk about this just from a 1978 perspective, just for one hot second. Sure. So we are pre-internet and we're pre-cell phone. And it is all word of mouth marketing because it's the good old 1978 and this movie comes out and all of a sudden it starts getting um, incredible buzz. You got to see this movie. You got to see this movie. Got to see this movie for the last 10 minutes. Got to see this movie for the first 10 minutes. And you should have saw it five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, just, why haven't you seen this movie? Why? Yeah. Why? Why are you watching it yet? And it picks up such insane steam and it really happens over the course of the first week of the release of the movie mm-hmm. that so the much... The official release, anyway. Yeah, so much word of... Yes, yes, thank you. The official release, yeah. Um, so much word of mouth was just bouncing all over the country that this really became one of those um, one of those moments where it's like, I don't know what you're doing, but if you're not going to see this movie, you're missing out. And, you know... Sinners, I lived through it. I'm not going to say I miss it because I sure do love reserved seatings at the movies because I don't have to queue up. But Halloween was absolutely one of those movies where you would drive to the movie theater, get out of your car, walk around the corner to the marquee, and the friggin' line would be going down two blocks. Wrapped around, yeah. There's something so nostalgic and fantastic and great about that, but I wouldn't go back there for <laughs> any amount of money in the world, you know, because nine times out of ten, you would make it a block and a half, and you'd be just about to the theater, and then an usher would come out and say, the two o'clock showing is sold out, and you'd be like, uh, why does God hate me? So, anyway, it was just, it was a moment in time that we don't get a lot anymore where you just had to be on the button with this movie because you couldn't be one of the one of those people that that, uh, that missed out. Yeah, there, there. I mean, there's been a lot of movies since then that has absolutely created a big buzz, and there's masterpieces of all kinds um, before and after this film. But I, again, I still don't think any film reached the, the the feat that this one did in this short period of time, especially with the the 
the, the way they even went into it again with with practically next to no money it considered movie making standards yeah and the fact that you know everyone helped everybody the fact that everyone got along and actually had a great time it was a fantastic experience and then uh once the film was done and wrapped they get they got a lot of flack for it from the studios they presented it at um I forgot the name of the school forgive me but I'm assuming it's the film school in LA we'll go with that one UCLA sure okay sure you don't know sinners. Yeah, it was UCLA. I I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard of it maybe. Um, but, they, but the students they 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 showed the film and the students were walking out of the film. You know, like once it reached the the status that it did, like yeah, I wonder if those students like looked back and they're like, maybe I should have stayed. That was just, that gave... was just fucking film snobs. That was just yeah. Shitty, you know. Film school, film snobs. Yeah, well, yeah, well you, you, well, you suck. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know what the fuck. You're in film school. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, we all watch Truffaut. Fuck off. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, but that's the, the. It was a very impressive. Oh, oh, and then I just, I also wanted to talk about the. Um, I just love the end scene. I love the way they decided to end it where, um, so he gets shot, you know, uh, Dr. Loomis, we have, um, you know, his, his face of, okay, this, this is going to, this hunt, the hunt continues pretty much. Um, and, uh, they, uh, blah, 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 blah. So now they start showing all the scenes where he was. Like yes. they start go, like almost like start going backwards, like in I the house. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're and, so right. And he could be anywhere. He, any, yeah, he, he was and he was nowhere and anywhere. Shit, I'm getting a little scared right now. Right? That this movie. That was a, such a perfect way to end it. And all you hear is his breathing. And you know what? I the, the what I love is that John Carpenter's got he's got such a great career and such a great body of work. It it fills me with joy that we're not talking about a director that was like, and that was the one movie where he really captured lightning in a bottle. Like there are so many good John Carpenter movies. Oh yeah. Th- this one I think Oh boy! I mean, Ooh. well, before this, he did Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yeah, and I love that movie. Yep. Right after this, he does The Fog, and then The Fog, and then uh, he really wasn't too involved in the second one once that started filming because he was busy filming The Thing. By that okay. point, yeah, he Oof. okay. He was in like pre-production. Your more favorite carpenter. So. Oh, it might have to be The Thing. Me too. I just I fucking love that movie. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's it's actually not even close. I just love so many the fog. I love Christine. I love. Oh yeah. You know, um, Big Trouble in Little China could possibly be one of the most fun movies you ever put in alone or with friends. It is. It's just so joyful. And Halloween is just so scary. But let me tell you that goddamn thing. That thing. It's, it had the perfect amount of horror, perfect amount of drama, and dialogue. Like, it, to me, like, it's just, it, like, every, a lot of people consider it masterpiece, and I, I definitely agree with that. The Thing was the first movie I saw as a kid where I was like, wait a minute, they know they're going to die, and I couldn't wrap my head around that. Right. I was like, wait a Wait, you could know that? Like, you know you're going to die. And they're still like, all right, let's just get this. Let's just get this done. Let's just save the world. Even though it's going to, you know, that was my first uh, real brush with nihilism. Okay. And it was delicious. (laughs) It was so delicious. It was so good. And that is why the thing, it takes pole position for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Of course we have to do the thing. 
I don't know. I mean, our list of movies to do, we've already mapped out quite a few. We're definitely going to do The Thing, but I'm going to suggest that we that we give it a little space from Halloween. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be... We'll, we'll definitely get to that. Um, it's definitely going to be a little bit... We'll know the timing. Okay. The timing is right, you know. Again, right. you know me and my milestone anniversaries. I, it, to me, it just... It helps guide the path because there's just so much to fucking talk about. <laughs> and to your point, Sinners, we could talk all day, but we got to stop. We do, eventually. Because <laughs> we got another movie to talk about. <laughs> all right. Shannon, take us out. And that's a cut. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.